0: what is going on ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another edition of the jays for days podcast i'm josh he's josh we got jays jumpers jaron jackson Jr., john rakes joe johnson's Jaw john raps of course we've got jays we got him for days josh Aver.
1: we also i mean last night there were all kinds of james hardens Joel Embiid, and jimmy butler's
0: butler had 40 that's a lot of points Look at that 2-2. Series doesn't start until somebody loses. That was, home. My, that
1: was my whole thing when he got hurt but came back for game three. You don't lose him for a home game and he comes back looking okay somehow, someway. He looks pretty terrifying in that mask too.
0: And, and by the same logic, you know which other series hasn't started? The Mavsons. We're four games mm-hmm. in and the, two, the home teams have won all four. How about that? Look at Thanks. Dorian Finney-Smith going 8-12 of 12 from the three-point line. Are you kidding me right now?
1: Are you kidding me? That team is sneaky good around Luca. They just don't have a second guy.
0: That team is average around Luca. Luca is just that good. But yes, your point. But but yes, the the product is good enough to challenge your son, a, a team one that is even as good as the Suns. We got but. good series. We do have a good series. We have a series that might end in, like, like, we might get to a point where we just need to, that Twitter needs to suspend the words Grizzlies and Warriors on Twitter because it is ugly. There have been, like, I've seen screenshots from direct messages that, like, SB Nation Grizzlies blog writers have gotten in there. But in I've also seen Memphis like weather dudes tweeting things that are just unacceptable and it is it is we're, we're shining a very bright light on the very darkest corners of social media because well, of that series
1: why do we need to drag the meteorologists into this
0: no because the meteorologist said something on twitter
1: as, as me- in, i i as i'm in, so- I, i'm as in somebody said something to the meteorologist, right?
0: No, as in the meteorologist oh. said a very racist thing on Twitter about Draymond Green.
1: Oh, oh, I thought I thought you meant they tweeted nasty things people were sending to them.
0: Oh. No, 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 oh. no, no, no. Oh. They, a completely oh, unsolicited Twitter tweet from a Memphis news weather person.
1: Oh boy, yes. very
0: bad. Like to the point that this guy has deleted all of his social media presence. Like, didn't just delete the tweet, deleted his entire social media account.
1: To be fair, that's probably...
0: It doesn't exist anymore.
1: It's probably a good idea of of just to be, if that kind of, if that's an inclination of that kind of thing, just not letting it happen again, that's the safest way to do it.
0: So, yes, the Grizzlies Warriors series has quickly gone from the most entertaining to, like, the most toxic. Mm -hmm. And I and i'm not sure how i feel about it to be honest with you i'm not sure how i feel about it and just the
1: the way it two flagrant twos in two mm -hmm. games is just not a good way to start
0: (laughs) no um so it is it's been ugly it's just can we just play basketball like like you usually most of the time when someone says shut up and play basketball it's a in a context that i just disagree with but here (laughs) it's just like hey can we if you're a fan shut up and watch the game and until like, I'm, I'm very big in the, you're not allowed to walk around and talk like you've done anything until you've actually done something. So like as us against the world, as the Grizzlies are, and me talking as a very, very dedicated Memphis Grizzlies fan, like this is like, there's a difference between walking around like you own the place when you're playing the Warriors (laughs) and like sticking up for yourself so like there's a difference it's a thin line yes but i'm just kind of like here we are like nobody's talking about what's actually happening on the floor we're mm-hmm. talking about what's happening on social media and that's yep. in and that, what Draymond
1: traffic. green was saying about his playground
0: right so i am i'm officially over that part of this series uh, almost to the point that i'm having a hard time enjoying the series which is which sucks because the apart from right game three wasn't close, but either team could have won game one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just it's just and like after the game, it was did Jordan Pool like pull John Morant's knee towards him and push the rest of his body away? Like in in an encounter that if there wasn't the there there wasn't the foundation that's already been laid by this series, nobody would have batted a second eye yeah. at what at what happened. So. Yeah it is what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly over it. Um, and would just like to watch them play basketball. But anyways, I'm, I'm looking, with all that being said, I'm, I'm excited for game four tonight. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to actually watch basketball teams play and not basketball team fans argue and insult other people on Twitter um, on both sides of the equation. But anyways, Now that we have that flowery, flowery note, this is College Basketball Podcast. In case you weren't aware, College Basketball Podcast. And a couple weeks ago, we had a, uh, I, I think something that at least those looking on weren't expecting to happen. And that was a change in the leadership of the Villanova men's basketball program. Jay Wright retiring at the age of 60 and just kind of upending uh, the college basketball world for, for a little bit there. Colin Neptune, now the guy at Villanova, no more Jay Wright. Now there's no more Jay Wright, no more Kyle, no more uh, Mike Krzyzewski, no more Roy Williams. They're dropping like flies, Josh. They really are. Um, But with that being said, we had to come bring somebody in to talk about it. Uh, and we found that in Megan Moorhart. Megan is the co-sports editor of the Villanovan at Villanova, um, covering both the men's and women's basketball teams there very closely. But we brought her on both as somebody who reports on the program closely, but also somebody who just, just frankly, as, as someone who, lives on Villanova's campus and goes to school at Villanova, uh, someone who has a a viewpoint of what it actually did to campus and what it actually did on the grounds at Villanova that maybe you can't get everywhere else because that is just, I mean, I remember when Chris Holtman left Butler and like Chris Holtman and Jay Ryder two completely different uh objects from a magnitude perspective in terms of what they mean for the sport. Um, And Jay Wright's been there for two decades and Chris Holtman was there for for four years, three years. Um, So I can imagine it was, it was big. So we talked to Megan about that as well, as well as Kyle Neptune uh, and the transition that the Villanova men's basketball program is all of a sudden going through uh, after a final four appearance, and nobody really seeing the the Jay Wright retirement coming, but a good conversation with Megan. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that one. Here is our conversation with Villanova Villanovan, excuse me, co sports editor Megan Moorhart, joining us now from the Villanovan at Villanova University, Megan Moorhart uh the co-sports editor I believe if that I I believe that's correct um please correct me if I'm wrong but I believe I saw co-sports editor uh Megan Moorhart. Megan thank you so much for taking the time to join us how are you
2: I'm good how are you thank you for having me
0: not too bad not too bad um still maybe still maybe recovering a little bit from you know of all the things that might have happened this off season. I think in the last, you know, couple weeks with name, image, and likeness, and and kind of the the all of the things that have hit the fan in that sort of area. We we started the postseason with something that I don't think anybody was was predicting and certainly not expecting. And that was the retirement of Jay Wright. And you, the first place I want to start before we get to like the basketball and, you know, the program side of this is I, I want to know what the reaction was on campus, um, you know, you being there on on campus, um, still being a student at Villanova. I'm curious what, what kind of buzz there was after Jay Wright announced he was going to retire because I know if anybody like the at Butler when we were there retired out of nowhere we don't have anybody at the pedigree of Jay Wright but uh, what was the buzz like on campus uh, after uh, Jay announced he was going to retire?
2: It was definitely like an initial shock I think a lot of people just did not see it coming at all um, so when the rumors started circulating it was like six or seven o'clock so like people were done with class everyone's kind of just like eating dinner it was the last week or two of class so everyone was just like super busy and then that dropped and it was um those, like few hours between when he when the rumors started coming out and before he officially announced it it was just kind of like everyone trying to figure out is this true is it actually happening um I know me my co-sports editor and our editor-in-chief um we immediately were like okay we have to like do we have to put something out like we were trying to figure out get as much information as possible but just like the general student body was shocked. And a lot of them were like really sad, to be honest, Um, especially just because he's such a big part of the community aside from basketball. Um, So it was really just like, again, like no one saw it coming. So it was just shock and sad. And it took like, I think a few days or weeks for it to really sink in.
1: When you had a a second, and we kind of talked about this in the aftermath when you had a second to process that this was actually a thing that was occurring and you actually sort of, reflected and you had a minute outside of I can't believe Jay Wright just retired how surprised were you when you started thinking about it that he a decided to do this and b decided to do this now at the end of this season with where Villanova is
2: yeah I was I think just because like I said it was so out of the blue I was really shocked and he's I mean like he's 60 which like a lot of like normal people I guess retire right. a little bit after 60 but you see people like coach K who's like 75 and so I think no it was just not like on anyone's mind or in anyone's like it just wasn't like at the forefront of anyone's mind that he was going to do this especially now especially at the end of the season especially when they're doing so well um and they just made it to the final four and um and just to kind of hear that he knew for a while um kind of made it a little bit more shocking like at his press conference when we talked about like he kind of decided before the big East tournament that he was for sure going to do it. And he'd been thinking about it for longer. And so to like realize that it would have been on his mind for that long, but still like, he never let, like none of us ever caught on. None of us ever figured it out or like suspected anything. Um, I don't know, like, I'm still kind of shocked. It still doesn't feel super real, I guess. Um, it probably won't honestly until we ha- like have our first, whether it's interview or practiced or game next year where he's not there. Um, and so it's just still like like three weeks later, I don't know if it still really has sunk in, to be honest.
0: Over the last 12 months or so, I've learned a couple things. One I had no idea what my thought would be. Like I never thought about Coach K, Roy Williams, Jay Wright retiring from those schools. Like I never th- thought about it. So therefore when it happened, I was like, I don't know how to react to this. I I I never like, it was just like Jay Wright is the Villanova coach. Kay is the Duke coach. Roy Williams is the, the UNC coach. And I never had to think about, okay, what happens when they retire? Of course they were going to eventually, but it never really, it never really crossed my mind in the same way. You know, yeah, what if, what if this team makes a Cinderella run? Like we think about all of those things. So it's like, we kind of know how, how it's going to happen. The other thing like that the, the you said is that 60 is is plenty in in the college basketball coaching world 60 seems to like be the new 50 because like roy was you know i mean k is a million years old and he's fooled us all with his hair color but he's you know roy is 71 so he would have been 70 last year um when he retired and and like, that, just kind of seems to be the norm, like the all-time coaches just coach until they're really old. Right. And, yeah, and Jay, rightfully so. I mean, when you put it in a very, like when you take all the specifics out, it's a multi million dollar man who retired at the age of 60. And that, that in and of itself is not, is not a, an uncommon thing, not, and certainly not a weird thing, but with 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 jay it was just like so out of so out of nowhere and he was actually on uh we live here in indianapolis still and he was on one of the local sports talk radio shows here in town uh, about a week after he retired and he was talking about how he was like yeah i had like i felt off all year like i had conversations with colin gillespie and and Jermaine Samuels, and just, like, because they've been around for a really long time. And, you know, I was like, do I feel off to you guys? Because I, I feel off. And he's talking about having to, like, hype himself up internally before walking into the locker room because he just kind of felt like he was half a step slower, um, to use, like, an old basketball player, for, you know, phrase, half a step slower than he used to be. and And that was probably the most surprising thing for me i don't know about you but that that he's completely like he saw it coming and in everybody else nobody saw it coming at least publicly
2: yeah and i think that definitely during the press conference when he said that because again like one of the biggest questions after he announced it was why and because again like you said like he's only 60 and um and they were doing so well it's not like they were like struggling at all like it didn't he was showing no signs of his age at least to the public like you said um, and I think that, like, again, that was a really big shock when he said, like, one of the reasons is I felt like I lost my edge. And, um, again, like, no one saw that. And I think other players that he that spoke after, like, or, like that people talked to after the press conference, they said, like, we didn't notice it, at least because like, it was, he was still coach right to us. And he was still the Hall of Fame coach that we all knew, and he was still going to lead us the way that he always did. And so I think that that was another, like that, like you said, like that was a huge shock that that was the reason that like he felt he was losing his edge and also that he was able to kind of recognize that like, that wasn't what was best for his team and that he was able to kind of like take that and be like, Hey, like, no, it is time for me to step down, which I don't think a lot of people would do. So it says a lot about him that he was able to kind of recognize that and be like, no, like I can't be at 70%. And he said, he's like, I can't expect my players to give me a hundred percent if I can only give them 70 of myself. And so that was it was a shock but I mean it makes sense and it's like good for him for doing it I guess but
1: yeah it's a very very Jay Wright thing I've just kind of the yeah. way this all played out what was it like interacting with him because and, and we you know Josh and I have both been in in press conferences with him maybe once before so we've you know gotten a little bit of it and you of course you hear everybody's you know usually most people that are successful is Jay Wright somebody, uh, people can find some issue with them and just everybody loves Jay Bright, but what was it seeing him, you know, this is kind of what we do after somebody retires with all the memories and and what sort of stands out to you or what kind of things being around the program did you notice that maybe somebody who's just following Villanova as a general college basketball fan and knows, you know, they're fundamentally sound. They always make the final four win the biggies kind of things, Mm -hmm. those kind of fans may not notice, but you saw just being around there and being on campus every day.
2: Yeah I think that he really is like it's it's bigger than basketball for him and I think that a lot of people may think that's just something he says but I really think it's true and I think that he genuinely like when he says like he cares about them as not just players as like people and as students and they you see like the teams always have good GPAs they're always like good students they're always just good people walking around campus like they're not like it just doesn't he doesn't let their success never go to their head and I think that's he's a big part of that um I also just think that like the way he interacts with media and students like is so genuine and we always we never felt like we were bothering him when we asked for an interview or we asked to talk to him or he always kind of made it seem like no it was like his pleasure to talk to us um and even after his last press conference um there was probably about eight of us he had to go do a bunch of tv interviews obviously he was on like espn and whatever else um but he came back out and we had like a few more questions for him and he was even like emotional like talking to us just saying like he like how much he like respects the job that like the media does and how like he appreciates that we respected him because and we were like well because he always respected us back um and so i think that just kind of shows like the type of person he is and just like around campus in general like i think it makes sense that he's going to stay on as the special assistant to father peter our president um just because he has such an impact on the community as a whole like whether it's admissions or um just like the religious aspect of the university like he just i think everything people say about him is true um everything good they have to say and he there really isn't much like negative to say about him as a person so yeah
0: he's definitely one of those guys that is way way more to that community than than a basketball coach at this point right that's Mm -hmm. i mean that's why that's why him retiring is such a big deal but in terms of when you when you're there for that long it's virtually impossible to not to to not impact the community and he's clearly been intent on that for for a long time um how do you feel about kyle neptune i'm curious uh not that i think you know hey being handpicked by jay Wright is not uh is not i mean that's we're here for that right i mean but you'd like to think that anybody that jay Wright is gonna is gonna handpick is is a guy that you can that you can depend on but what have you learned about him in the last couple weeks and uh since the announcement was right i'm retiring and this is your new head coach which he also mm-hmm. talked about that being important to him not yeah. just the head coach but hey these is this is the head coach and these are the guys that are going to be on staff with you uh, after i leave
2: yeah i mean i think I, I at least feel pretty confident in his ability to um like take this role and i don't think he's going to replace jay wright and that was a huge part of the press conference it was like he's not expected to be him but i think that from the time he spent on his staff um, and the eight years he spent as his, as one of his assistant coaches has like given him enough time to kind of understand the culture and understand the community and the school and all of that stuff um, that will really help him. And I think even just looking at like his success at Fordham, like people may look at like a 500 record, like 16, 16 and be like, Oh, well that's not like, you know, it's average. It could be better. But like, then you look at their previous season, they had two wins. And so I think that like, you really have to kind of look at that and only having one year of head coaching experience, I think is a little worrisome for some people, but again, like he had a successful one year of coaching experience and he had 10 years prior to that under Jay Wright. Um, and so I think there's no one really better to learn from to fill this role than Jay Wright himself. And he'd had that for 10 years. And I think he seems super like committed to carrying through the culture that Jay has created. And that makes me feel good about it because I think that that's like a huge part of their success is their culture um, and just kind of the way that all of them talk about each other and talk about um, Jay and talk about the program and just the school as a whole and Kyle Neptune seems like he'll be able to carry that on so I'm confident in him um, the student body seems at least those who like know anything about him um, and know that Villanova basketball is more than just like Colin Gillespie and Jay Wright like those people are pretty confident as well um i think that like while it's we're sad that he's leaving people seem pretty pretty good with kyle neptune coming in
1: so okay so i was good that's gonna be my next question so it, it's more of a this seems very logical kyle neptune obviously right he's got some credentials he's very much embedded in the program knows what's going on there's not a a sort of just general what in the world happens after Jay Wright leaves and Jay Wright isn't there to coach next year kind of thing. People are are really sort of grasping onto, well, somebody's going to have to be the head coach so it might as well be the guy who has experience in this program and did a pretty good job last year kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I think again like I said like I think initially people were really afraid and then once people like cuz there was like 48 hours or 36 hours between the announcement and the press conference cuz they had their banquet in between. So they announced it. They said it was Kyle Neptune. So like those of us who knew who Kyle Neptune was and like, we knew he coached. And again, like he was there, like he, I and mean he left last year, but I think those of us who knew were kind of like immediate, like, okay, like we're okay. But it took the other people until hearing him speak and hearing Jay talk about him to kind of settle into that. But again, like now over the last couple of weeks, as he's talk more and then like securing the three recruits is huge like that gives people confidence um but i think now we're kind of at a state again like sad but okay and like seems like a pretty bright future at least
0: it's villanova having a new men's basketball head coach is about as common as i I don't even know i mean there (laughs) there, there's been a basketball program since 1936 and this is head coach number six yeah (laughs) That's absolutely ridiculous. And I mean, the, the worst, right. When, when the worst quote unquote span of a head coach is a guy that was there for nine years and had 174 wins over nine years. I don't know what that yeah. is. Let's do some quick math here, but that's still an average of, yeah. of 19.33 re- repeating uh, uh, coach wins per year. And that's, I think, I think that's, that's a, that's part of, why this is right it, it's i mean we went through this a little bit at butler because we had right we had brad stevens in the early you know 2010s you know late 2000s and he was awesome and then there was like a little bit of a like a a blip on the radar but then chris holtman came and so all of a sudden in like and i think that kind of worked to right and we just Thad Meyer was just hired here at butler and laval Mm -hmm. jordan on his way out and i think that's there was almost an unfair expectation of laval jordan right we had a guy who took us to -to back-to-back final fours then went to the boston celtics for crying out loud (laughs) and then we had another guy that ohio state came back with like four new offers to get him like got to a point where there was just so much money that he couldn't say no and Laval was, was ultimately just fine. I mean, depending on who you ask I'd, that some people would disagree with me there, but I think Josh and I are in kind of the boat of like, there's, he's certainly not a bad basketball coach. And if there wasn't a pandemic, he'd probably have a sweet 16 under his belt um, it, it, at the very least more NCAA tournament wins. but it was pretty clear, right. That he wasn't quite the, he he wasn't gonna he wasn't having quite the success that those other guys would have and my all my point to this is that Kyle Neptune being there for twenty like as an expectation being there for twenty years and winning more than three hundred basketball games like that would be incredible Or I mean J Wright won five hundred twenty games in nineteen years which is <laughs> ridiculous um, but it's like I'd be curious what his and what you might think. Uh, based on you know any interactions you've had with him or what you've seen him say how he's sort of handling that idea of like being Villanova's head basketball coach is like just in like a sneaky elite program uh position from a and it was before Jay Wright got there from a like longevity and uh success perspective because if it's not like good even if it's okay it's going to be pretty obvious and I'm wondering uh how you might think he's he what he, based on what he said so far how he might be handling that because that just seems super daunting to me it's like man there have been six of these guys in almost 100 years and now I'm next and it's up to me to sort of continue this this tradition of winning that has really been amplified in the last 20 years since Jay Wright got there
2: yeah I think um at that first press conference he kind of seemed like nothing had really sunk in yet. Like he couldn't, it only been like about a week since he even found out Jay was retiring and that he was going to be offered the head coaching job. So like they were asking him like, has it sunk in that like Jay, Jay's office is going to be yours. Has it sunk in? Like you're going to be on the sideline. He was like, no, like, to be honest, it has not at all. But I think in like talking to him just about like other things um, he seems confident in his ability to, again, like I said, carry on the culture of it. And I think he's then confident that that paired with like his relationships with the players and all the returning players that they have, um, that at least like, they'll kind of be able to transition into it pretty well. Um, I think it's also been made pretty clear by the leadership, like father Peter, and then our AD, um, Mark Jackson, that they don't expect him to be Jay Wright. And they don't expect him to come in and go to another final four. And like, while it's great that Jay got to finish his career on a final four, it leaves like a pretty high expectation, a pretty high bar for Kyle Neptune coming in, where like, you have to look at like, you're losing Colin and Jermaine, and you're losing two of your biggest pieces for getting you that final four. And no one knows if Justin Moore is going to play next year, or when he would play if he comes back. And so I, I think that I don't know how he's handling it. I think he seems pretty confident in his ability to at least continue the culture. Um, But like, again, like you don't know, like what his style of play is going to be. It's probably going to be a little different than Jay. Um, But I think that he seems pretty confident. Um, I'm pretty confident in his ability to do it. The leadership team seems pretty confident in his ability to do it. And I think the players are like willing to like, they're already bought into the culture. And so if he stays, if he continues that they'll stay bought in.
1: You mentioned the recruits and the the roster. That was one of the things I was curious about. This is very much, it kind of feels like the end of a cycle, right? Villanova goes through these cycles because it's so player development heavy. So you have Colin Gillespie and you sort of see it coming three years beforehand of, oh, there's your next All-American point guard. It's just kind of what happens at Villanova. And so then you, you rebuild with sort of the next group. And then three years later, they're in a final four again is kind of what jay Wright Mm -hmm. turned this into so this is right you mentioned you know you're losing jermaine tamuels colin gillespie where do you feel like this roster is you've secured the trio of recruits they're still all in on kyle neptune it just there there are some question marks and you don't have a colin gillespie coming back next year to anchor this thing maybe that ends up being justin Moore, but like you said there are unfortunately question marks there outside of his control just where do you feel like this roster is heading into next season as kyle neptune gets them
2: Um, I think the three, like, returners in um, Dixon, Slater, and Daniels are huge, um, especially Daniels and Slater choosing to come back for their fifth year. Um, I think just, like, their leadership and their experience, like, they have both – I mean, Daniels has been at Villanova for – this will be his fourth year. Um, but, like, then he has his, his experience at Tulane. But just being, the, like, experienced players having this Final Four under their belt, um, having multiple NCAA tournament appearances um, and both starting and pl- and like playing this year. I think that part will be huge just for leadership reasons, um, especially with a new coach. I think it's, it's super important to have veteran leadership that can carry that through. Um, and then Dixon even like he, he'll be, he's a senior academically coming in next year, but he's a junior um, eligibility wise, but he's, he'll be a huge piece as well. And he was solid for them this year and his improvement was great so as long as he continues that track like at least at least you have three solid like you know what you're going to get from them um and then again like you said like with justin more um that he hasn't even announced like there was something the other day that he's considering sitting out the whole year um and so he'll kind of decide as he begins his like recovery and rehab but that would obviously be a huge loss because he's kind of like you said the person that could fill colin's shoes um there are some young guys that could also like do that. And I think people expect Cam Whitmore to come in and start and play and have a big impact. And he's being talked about as potential one and done, which we don't usually have. Um, But I think there's enough talent, whether it's coming in or returning to kind of be a good basketball team again. I think, again, like you said, all the question marks about Justin and what style of play will be like with Kyle Neptune but I think the roster and Jay said this they left it in a in a good spot like he's not going to leave where Kyle Neptune has to come in to just like a bunch of unknowns and so I think that having that solid returning class um, and only like I mean you lose Colin and Jermaine but then only losing one transfer and Brian Antoine securing all three recruits I think they're in a really good place talent wise experience wise um all of it i I feel pretty good about it
0: you you have no idea how sad it makes josh that brian antoine
2: transferred. he
0: has been he has been vouching for that guy for for years now and he's Mm -hmm. been every every single preseason when we talk Uh about the big east and we talk about villanova he's he is you know i i think this might be the year for brian antoine even like um even a month and a half ago in the Right, you need somebody. The you <laughs> right. need yep.
1: the
2: guard. Brian. Antoine, we all felt the same. Go. We all feel the same way. <laughs> yeah,
0: he yeah. he was he was relentless and persistent <laughs> when it came to his to his support for Brian Antoine. Um, and I also think you know, and we we talked about it a little bit. It, it's it's really easy to look a recruit in the eye and say, "Hey, this is a guy that was here for ten years. He knows exactly how this works." And and if there's anybody who got to got, who had an up close and personal view of how Jay Wright runs a program, it's it's probably Kyle Neptune, right? And and from a consistency perspective, in terms of and right, like maybe the the style of play could change, like you said, but from a from a, he understands what Villanova basketball has become and what um, and how things sort of operate a guy who was there for 10 years up close and personal is a pretty you know involved in recruiting and involved with some of the greats of, of Villanova basketball period whether it's you know your Jalen Brunson's your Josh Hart's your Michael Bridges your Ryan Archidiakonos I mean when you make a list of the 10 best Villanova basketball players of all time like 70 percent of them are in the last 10 years maybe not quite that many but the point being is that it's a lot. And, and he was right there for it. Um, So it's not like he's a guy who's going to come in and okay, immediately we're into the one and done era. And like, to a certain extent you have to be a little bit or, or at least okay with the type of roster turnover that, that has just become normal in the sport. Um, Even at, even at Villanova, you know, getting into the transfer portal uh, more and more, just sort of out of necessity than, than anything else. But I think, and as we see this happen a lot, because I'm curious how this will look in a couple years relative to, you know, Hubert Davis at UNC, John Shire at Duke, um, as we see these young assistants that, quite frankly, I mean, with all due respect to Kyle Neptune, his head coaching resume is not one that gets you a Villanova job, right? Just like John Shire's isn't, just like Hubert Davis's isn't which is fine. That's not a knock on him, but it's, I, I'm, I'm, I continue to be curious. And I think we've gotten to a point, especially after what Hubert Davis did last year and what John Shire has already done this offseason securing the best recruiting class in the country, that maybe it makes more sense than, than some of us thought. Cause I've been a little bit skeptical of like, are we really doing our due diligence as like a national brand, like Duke, if we're not calling the best coaches in the country, And, and maybe the answer is yes, because I mean, maybe it's just a guy that we need to continue that to, to to continue that trajectory uh, with a guy who has been there before. Maybe that's just the most important part. And I'll be curious to see how that works with Kyle.
2: Yeah. I think that was a huge part that they mentioned so much um, when they were talking about his decision to retire in the process to um, find a new coach. And I think that like, the timeline was super interesting to hear that like Jay had been thinking about it kind of all season and talking to his wife, Patty, about it. um, And they kind of knew that it was likely going to happen. And then he officially told um, our athletic director in I think he said like end of February, early March, and then they told like our president like shortly after that. And so the turnaround to then have to tell the board and then find a coach was super short, especially because they kept advancing. And so you don't if he didn't want this to get out, he didn't want it to get out during the season. They can't start looking at the fear that it's going to be leaked until later. Um and so when they go to the last possible weekend, they go to the final four, you have then shortened your window so much to find a new coach. Um and so I think they said that they talked to other guys, but they talked to like all Villanova guys. They didn't they didn't like they opened it up but they didn't really open it up much um and Jay even said like they didn't say who the other guys were and Jay just said he's like you guys can like he's like I'm sure you guys can figure it out for yourself so it was probably their assistants and then like a few past guys including Neptune um, but I I think that they really did just want like the most important thing to them and the priority for them was it being a Villanova guy and someone who had been there before or was currently there Um, And I think Kyle was always number one, whether they'll say that or not. Um, I think that he was kind of always their guy that they had their eyes on. Um, But I think, like you said, like that was really the most important thing. They didn't want some coach with 15 years of head coaching experience that had no experience at Villanova. Like they didn't, they just didn't want that. Um, Like from top to bottom, that was not what they wanted. And so I think that for them, at least it was, that was the most important thing that was their priority.
1: I've got, I've got two final questions. One of them is pretty short. The other one, maybe a little bit longer. First, do you think there is any chance at all, 12 months from now, Jay Wright is coaching in the NBA? Because that was one of the thoughts that popped into my head originally. And then I started actually sort of like reading what was happening and hearing Jay Wright explain things. And I went, yeah, this does, I, I no longer think this is a thing. Do you, clearly that is not his intention or we've all been completely deceived again mm-hmm. But do you think that do you think there's any chance knowing him better than we do he changes his mind and is an nba coach in 12 months and then two what do you feel like constitutes a successful year as you're replacing an all-american a legend you know hall of fame coach and also trying to build off of a final four there's not much higher you can go to where this wow. team got last year Just, what do you think is a successful year one for kyle Smith?
2: Um, so for Jay being in the NBA, I wouldn't, I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. Um, he at the press conference, he was pretty clear to, uh, we asked him like four times, like five different people asked him like during the press conference and afterwards when we were talking to him. And like, he said, they said, like, do you think you like, is this your last coaching job? Like, are you going to go coach anywhere else? And he said, no, I really don't think I will. He's like, cause this wasn't about Villanova. This wasn't about Something like it wasn't about college, it wasn't necessarily all about the NIL and the transfer portal and what a lot of other coaches are struggling with. Um, it was just he just like you said, like he didn't feel like he had his edge anymore. So he seems pretty confident that he won't be coaching again, but again, I wouldn't be shocked if he in 12 months realizes that oh, well, maybe I just needed a break, like I and and. So I wouldn't be shocked. Um, And I think that people will continue to offer him jobs as they become available because he's Jay Wright. Um, So I wouldn't be shocked. Um, But in terms of the successful year, um, I think he's already kind of started to prove himself and have that success in keeping everyone but Antoine um, and securing those three recruits is huge. Um, So I think in terms of Recruiting and those relationships, he's already kind of begun to have some success in those areas. I think basketball wise, like you said, it's really hard to build off of the final four. And I think that even if this was still Jay Wright, there still wouldn't be that like expectation for them to get back to the final four with losing Colin and Jermaine and potentially having Justin out. Like, I don't think that would be a super high expectation. Um, And so I think that people kind of have to grant him the same. Like leeway that they would if it was Jay, because we don't expect Jay to get to a Final Four every year. And if if he doesn't, it's not like oh like it's Jay's bad coach or it doesn't like taint his legacy at all. Um, and so I think that it's important to kind of keep that same mindset with Kyle. I think that he will have a successful year. I think that like again finishing top three in the Big East would be great. Um, making the NCAA tournament, which I, I think they will. I don't think that's like really up in the air um but again like in the past couple years like they haven't made it to the sweet 16 every year they haven't made it to the final four every year and so I think that it's again like important to kind of have that same mindset with Neptune um and so I think he's started to prove himself already but if he just can kind of continues what he's doing I think he will have that successful season
1: thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us we really appreciate it Megan and we're looking forward to to seeing how this all plays out
2: yeah Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Megan, thank you so much for joining us on the Jays for Days podcast. Josh, I am always fascinated to hear about the reaction to a coach like that leaving um, and kind of where Megan felt like the program stood Uh, you know in in a transition period not only for the coach but also very much one for a roster that was losing a couple guys and Colin Glassby and Jermaine Samuels that were very much um, Mr. Mr. Villanova by this point they'd been there for such a long time um, to the point that Jay Wright is going to them and asking hey do I do I feel different does it feel different to you this year but um, very very much appreciate the
1: insight there from Megan. yeah and like you said before the the ability to get both the on-campus vibe and the, not only sort of just the the actual journalistic coverage of it, but being in the room for all of these press conferences mm-hmm. is an incredibly valuable resource to Megan being able to provide both of here's sort of student perspective and also, yeah, we were talking to Jane, right? Here's what Kyle Neptune had to say, mm-hmm. you know. That that part of it was it was perfect, sort of perfect timing sort of let everything calm down to a degree and let Kyle Neptune really inherit this program and then kind of check in to see how how everybody's feeling and what's going on at Villanova.
0: How do you feel about the difference? I mean, we talked about this with Megan a little bit, but cause essentially. You can put him, him being Kyle Neptune, in a very similar category to Hubert Davis and John Shire Mm -hmm. from the perspective of that's a guy who was vouched for by the all-time Hall of Famer that was leaving the program. Uh, But at the same, and, and while that's incredibly valuable, and as you know, I've been very firm on the, if you're a place like Villanova, a place like Duke, a place like UNC, and you're not calling the best coaches in the country, you're not doing you're not doing you're doing your due diligence in a coaching search but maybe at this point after hubert davis just went to the final four and john shire has the number one recruiting class in the country coming in perhaps um there's some legitimacy to that but cal Neptune in a very similar position here as a guy who if he wasn't on the villanova assistant coaching staff and wasn't vouched for by jay wright there's no way in the world he's getting a position like this after just one year at a mid-major. But nonetheless, here we are. Do you feel differently about him than from, do you kind of put them in the same category as those other two guys that kind of started this weird category of guys who don't have the resume to get the job, but they got the job because the, the historical coach on his way out was like, that's the guy I want to, to take over the
1: program definitely in the same category and to me it's even another level with villanova because jay wright wasn't going to retire until jay wright felt like the program was being handed off to the right person in a good place that was part of this from the beginning and also yes there's something to be said about keeping it in the family at north carolina and duke Megan kept hitting on this. I am not surprised at all. Jay Wright kept hitting on this. Villanova's culture is as established as any program in college basketball, not just on the floor, but off it. It's Agreed. It's the way they play, the fundamentally sound nature of it, the fact that they're going to pump fake 25 times. Your coach is going to tell you not to jump and bite on the pump fakes, and you're still going to do it because they do it so well. Their guards are going to go, you know, pivot all over the place in the post there are these pillars of villanova basketball and there's also the stuff off the court the fact that i believe in all the press conferences i've been to at least and I you probably fall into the same category the only big east coach to bring players in jay bright and you know you hear about that stuff of all of that. after the NCAA tournament, there's one team that stands out about the way they kept their rooms in hotels. You know, the hotels were about. It's always Villanova. That kind of stuff matters a great deal to Jay Wright. And so. I would have been even more surprised if this had gone to some kind of national search, as opposed to what it sounds like happened, which was here are our options of our Villanova people. And we're going to go from there.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah it's it's not surprising in the slightest and when you look into Kyle Neptune's what he inherited when he went to Fordham and where he turned around we talked about yep. that a little bit as well that yes in a nutshell Kyle Neptune as a head coach went 16 and 16 and 8 and 10 in the A10 but if you take a closer look at the Fordham men's basketball program then Last year, it was really, 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 really bad. Or two years ago, it was really, 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 really bad. And it was much better this year. And that's that it, you can't overlook that when trying to figure out, hey, what kind of coach is Kyle Neptune um, and what kind of program leader is he? And if nothing else, you can look at what he did in just from one season to the next
1: at Fordham and say, OK, there's at least something here. Um, and it always kind of seemed like he was he was the guy. Mm -hmm. and it's easy to sort of fall away from that when you take the Fordham job right you've talked about this all the time of how many people were supposed to be the guy at Duke Mm -hmm. and ended up not being the guy when the time came Mm -hmm. I'm sure Kyle Neptune didn't expect it to be this quickly but it was always kind of he was the front runner to replace jay Bright, kind of the guy who was getting groomed so it is it only makes sense that when this happened he was kind of choice a from the very beginning even if that meant right going and snatching somebody instead of taking somebody off of your current staff because he ultimately ended up taking a head coaching job which paid incredible dividends because now right not only does he have a track record of a successful head coaching season but he also has experience as a head coach that will be invaluable while not being too far detached from Villanova where he's coming back after 10 years or something like that. It's a, it worked out really well for him in that kind of, and from that standpoint. Of, he's, got, he's got very much still inundated with Villanova culture, also head coaching experience, still young. If you're going to have to make this transition, that's a pretty good combination to start with.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Anything else on Cal Neptune, Jay Wright, um, the Villanova men's basketball program, anything else you got, anything you need to get off your chest?
1: We've got some fun ideas in the works, so stay tuned for that. That's all. Yeah.
0: Right? yeah, I like that. I like that. I'm here for that. But other than that, that's what we got for the podcast today. Thank you again to Megan for stopping by chatting Villanova hoops for a little while. We'll be back, I guess, Monday, right? is that what we're doing right now um in a week time so so stay tuned we'll be back and uh, we'll be back here on monday please subscribe to the jays for days podcast not podcast spotify and google podcast us on twitter at jays for days pod check out all of our social medias and uh we'll be back on monday Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays Rays past podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We'll see you later.